You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. Physical battle. 
guy who at the time was the CEO of Lucky Strike was a guy by the name of Washington Hill. And so Edward Rene approached Washington and he said, you know what? Um, I am going to prove to you that we can change how the world perceives women who smoke. Because you see, at the time, women who smoke in the open were perceived to be, in fact, what you would call loose women. And so there was great shame associated with a woman smoking out in the public because of the, the reputation that she got. Well, what he did, he was able to link cigarettes to, at the time, the feminist movement and totally turned around that perception to if a woman is smoking, it's not because she is loose, it is because she's standing up for her rights. It is because she's associated with the feminist movement. And so it was the first way he actually turned around a market and got many more women into smoking. Well, with this philosophy, he eventually started doing marketing campaigns for, for car companies, for politicians, for every conceivable thing that was around at the time, and he truly changed people's hearts. Not in a positive way. People became more materialistic. People became more greedy. But he had an impact. You know, he really won people's hearts. And so in the same way, God is always moving to win our hearts. Not through deception, not through fake and false promises, not through glamour and wealth, but a different way. John chapter 6, verse 43.
So see, we understand that commitment. Yeah. So is there any surprise that that is what God wants from us? Yeah. Of course it's not a surprise. But what does it take to be drawn to God? It's very interesting. John chapter 6. I'm going to start reading here in verse 43. Okay, so Jesus is preaching the truth here, and as usually happens, people start grumbling. Mm-hmm. 43. Stop grumbling among yourselves. Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Wow, so it's very interesting. Jesus clearly says, look, the only way anyone can come to me is if he's drawn by the Father. There's just no other way. Now here's the great thing. The Bible clearly teaches that all throughout history, God has been working to what? To align history, whether it from our perspective is good or bad, but to align history to give us the best possible chance to seek him. And in the book of Acts, it said in the formula that we might seek him. Now how do companies try to attract us? To tell us exactly what we want to hear. To make false promises. Right? Why do you think in every single commercial someone is totally smiling? (laughs) (laughs) They will make you believe Colgate is the answer to your problems in life. <laughs> White teeth will solve everything. Right? Someone else will say that Nescafe is really the solution. Yeah. All you need is one cup of Nescafe every day and you will never have problems again. Well, there already you think is five cups. That's true. <laughs> but the point is, the world knows how to cater to our hearts. And so in the same way, just as God is moving to get our attention, guess who else is moving to get our hearts? The troublemaker. Exactly. And all throughout our lives, we, we, we make certain decisions that are crucial and will determine our destiny. You know, the difference between being committed to God and being committed to Satan is God, you can only serve God if you are consciously, totally committed to Him. But you will serve the darkness whether you know it or not. You can be actively pursuing it or not even know what is going on. It is quite okay with the darkness as long as you're not committed God. You know, I was 15 years old, and uh, I was at home, and my, my brother, who at the time was about nine, he came home, and he said, Michael, we've got to go across the street. Cabez has a gym, and he told me we could work out there. Now, Cabez, to put me means head. <laughs> and this man, he was, this man, he was well known on the island. And his nickname was Kabir because he had a big head. <laughs> <laughs> he was also a very wealthy man. Now, 
the way he made his money together with his brother was illegal gambling operations on the island. And he'd been in jail, got out, in jail, got out, and they would always continue with their illegal gambling operations until the authorities were like, boy, this is tiring. <laughs> and they just let them have their illegal gambling operations. And so I, I got excited because, you know, I was 15, I was envisioning myself like Arnold Schwarzenegger and big, tough man. So I, I went to the gym, and uh, I kept going to the gym consistently. It was, it was in his house, but it was all the way on the bottom part, so it was a separate entrance. And he said, yeah, whenever you want to work out here, you can come and go work out there. And as I was working out there, I started to get to know some of his employees. They got to understand that my room, my bedroom window, was facing his house, which was across a very, very narrow street in a very quiet residential area, barely a car would drive by. And every single night, at about 8.30 to a quarter to 9 at night, you had a huge caravan of about five, six, seven, or eight cars drive up to the house, and they would take out these big bags of paper money and smaller bags full of coins into the house to count. And this guy, this guy has such a reputation. So, but at the same time, I started hearing that, believe it or not, his, you know, every gangster or mobster covers their true source of income, right? Yes. And they usually have a a legal operation somewhere through which they whitewash their money. But the, the operation they have, which is the front of the company, is always legal. But yeah. well, I started hearing that these guys, their real source of money was not something that was illegal, it was something that was even more illegal. <laughs> but they used an illegal operation to come up for an even more illegal operation. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Caribbean and Africa. <laughs> And South America, right? Yes. <coughs> so, while he was known for his uh, gambling operations, I started hearing rumors at school, because he, everyone knew him, that they were really also into drug trafficking. And at first, I wouldn't believe it. But then, as I started to get their trust, one day I was working out in the gym with Cabezzi, and I'm here a little teenager with this big, big shot, hot shot on the high house. Yeah, man, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> and one day he said, you know what? I want you to get your education. You go to university, you study hard, and when you're done, you're going to come work with me. Oh, wow. I was like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> Because by this time, I knew that his gambling operation was just a cover-up. Because <laughs> right. I had heard this employee, I would go to the New Year's Eve parties, I would hear the employees talk, and they would drink, and I was like, okay, these guys definitely. And see, we lived on a hill overseeing a harbor on the island that was primarily used for, for yachts and sailboats. And I had this telescope, which I used to look at the stars, but I also used to look into people's houses. <laughs>
And he started telling me that something went wrong with Kabir's and Kabir's shut off all the channels he had to get his drugs from South America. To then continue shipping them to Europe or the United States. But then he said to me, he said, you know what? You are young. You have a future. It sounds like my dad talking to me. You are young, you have a future. Here's what you need to do. You need to continue gaining his trust. And then when you are more powerful than him, you cut him off, you get rid of him. And then you are the one in control. And you know, when he was telling me this, now you understand why it felt like a scene from the Godfather movie. You know, I was just, I, I didn't even dare look at him. I just looked straight at him and said, what have I got in my hand? But this time I, I didn't feel so hot anymore. I started to realize, okay, this stuff has consequences. <laughs> and so about 15, 30 seconds after he finished saying that, I, I looked at him and he was gone. I looked behind him and I looked the guy was disappeared. Gone. I was like, is this for real? I mean, this is just like out of a movie. Yeah. But it really happened. Now, I later went on to study in the States. Cabez, a few years later, died of a, a heart attack. But the last time I saw him was about half a year before he died. I was on vacation with here or something in the States. And he asked me again, what are you going to do when you're done? I'm going to say, I'm going to work on my dad's. Co-work with me. That was the last time I saw him. Actually, I was a disciple already. I was 21 or 22. But I was too chicken to share my faith with him. And half a year later, he died. But you see, there was a there was a battle for my heart. Now, if I would have decided to go into the direction, there's only one way out, and that is
right? An equal and opposite reaction. One of the laws that has to do with force. And so, a smart guy like Arnie can give you a lot more of these laws of physics because he's a physicist. Right? But in the same way, there are spiritual laws yeah. that we cannot escape. As a matter of fact, sometimes we just get ticked off. Why are these laws here? Because we want to have our cake and eat it too. We want to spin it up and not have consequences. We want to not serve God, but yet have a fulfilled life. But those things go against the spiritual laws that are all around us. And so I mean, that's why some people just get ticked off at God. Because they feel trapped in this world where they cannot do as they want to do. Well, let's look at one of those uh, spiritual laws. You ready for it? Yeah. Yeah. Matthew, uh, not Matthew, what did I say? Chapter 3, that's right. You see, and God has put these laws in place. Number one, that's who He is. But number two, for us to come to our senses and to start making rational decisions, not irrational decisions. Give me a chance to get there myself. You know, and then you start talking about, well, what is the meaning of life? Anyone ever ask themselves, what is the meaning of life? Yeah. You know, exactly. When you're very young, the meaning of life is getting that toy that you really want to have. Right? <laughs> when you're really young, the meaning of life is getting home on time to watch that TV program, or having your parents help you stay up late enough to watch that TV program. You know, when you're young, the meaning of life is, why do I have to go to bed so early and all my friends at school can stay up so late? <laughs> but as you get older, you realize that it's not as simple as that, correct? So Ecclesiastes chapter 3, I have King Solomon, who at this stage is going and he's trying everything on earth. Everything his heart desires, he's giving you that. In order to see what in the world is going to give me the satisfaction that I am looking for. Not unlike today. My key to happiness is just having that relationship. Right? My key to happiness is finding the perfect woman. It's finding the perfect man. If I just had a child, if I just had that job, if I just had these finances. Now, at least women look for happiness in relationships. Guys are even worse off. You know, we look for happiness in a car. We look for happiness in the right sports results. You know, so these women are a little bit better on the right path than us men. But, God still calls men to leave. Yeah. Yeah. Just means they're more to repent of. Amen. Let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and read here in verse 9. What does the worker gain from his toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on men. He has made everything beautiful in his time. He also set eternity in the hearts of men. That they can offend them what God has done from beginning to end. So, wow. The Bible says that God has set eternity into the hearts of men. And has He not done that? Do people not wonder about? 
do people wonder about the purpose of life? How many people do not fear death? Yeah. Now, if death just meant you, you're eaten by worms or you're cremated and dead is the end, well, there's not so much to worry about. Yeah, I had a conversation with a colleague a few weeks ago, and I don't know what we were talking about, but eventually, you know, I said something to her, well, I really admire you that you're not afraid of death. And she admitted she's petrified of God. Mm. You know, because God has set eternity in the hearts of men. So we're always looking for that meaning, we're always looking for that purpose. But yet there's only one place that we can really find. Let's read verse 18. I also thought, as for men, God pets them so that they may see that they are like animals. Wow, this is very encouraging. God says, think of yourself like an animal. <laughs> well, what is he talking about? Man's faith is like that of the animals. The same faith awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. So it doesn't matter how many toys you have. Doesn't matter how many toys you owe people, in the end we all die. Right? I remember 30 years ago or so I saw this thing in the stage yeah. that said, He who dies with the most toys wins. In other words, the wealthy are, you're just winning and frankly not. Well, <laughs> a few years there, I saw another sticker. He who dies with the most toys still dies. I think the second one yeah. is more accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, so God has put us in this situation that we just cannot escape that. So, okay, I have shut all doors. Every single door that you may think you can walk through, I shut them all so that only one leads to what you actually need. Yeah. See, Edward Bernay we are made believe that we need so many things. Yeah. But there's only one thing we need, and that's a relationship with God. Amen. Amen. We are made to believe that we need wealth. We are made to believe we need this relationship. And a lot of times these things will compete for our attention with God. Because we are deceived by Satan's marketing. And he is an expert marketer. He knows exactly the strengths of our heart that he needs to pull, right? Well, let's go to Matthew chapter 13. Well, whose hearts are constantly pulled at? By God as well as by the world. Do you want to know? Because sometimes we think, well, I'm a baptized disciple, so I am good. Well, it's kind of like graduation from university. Everyone is celebrating, but most people wake up the next day to a rude awakening. Yeah. This is not the end. This is just the beginning. Because yeah. I graduated, but guess what? Now I have to start paying off those loans. Yeah. Right? Now i got to actually find a job that makes enough to pay off these loans. So I thought putting an all-nighter was tough. Oh my goodness, how I wish I could go back to pulling up all-nighters <laughs> to get this degree. And so it's just the beginning. Yeah. And so in the same way, when we get baptized, yes, we have
But it is just the beginning. Yeah. Where God says, okay, now you, you've repented of all the obvious sins. That is awesome. Your sins are forgiven. That is cranking. But now we're going to work a little bit on that character of yours. Oh. Yes, that is very painful. Now we're going to work a little bit on that
up you are. I said, oh my goodness. Beat up, bro. And then they beat up a few days down the road. <laughs> and then they got beat up and I said, okay, Mr. Big Shot. <laughs> what are you going to do now? Preaching and discipling boldly what people need to do. Now that the rubber hit the road, what are you going to do? And I said, man, it's, it's, it's challenging. You know, to wake up in the morning, have a good quiet time, and you don't see you well at all. Yeah. And I said, like, okay. First, I was like, man, compared to Jesus and Paul, oh my goodness, how far I am. How quickly I feel weak. How quickly do I struggle to have a very basic, good, quiet time. Not even to talk about being stoned, being, being left for dead, and walking back into the city the next day. It's like, oh my, I was like, my goodness, I am so far from where I need to be and from where I can be. But you know what? It just exposed where I'm at. It just exposed how I need to push and grow and persevere. <coughs> last Sunday I was talking to someone that I discipled and he said and, and this particular brother has had a hard time with his quiet times not in London he's somewhere else and he's been having his quiet times consistently and then Sunday it was a free day it was Monday which was also a free day there as it was a free day here last Monday and he said no 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 today I really had to sleep and I said no 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 Michael today today no I said no I have to get my rest and then later I can have my time with God <laughs> wrong see we've got to instill a conviction there's a battle for our hearts yeah. right and there are a lot of things that want to influence us yeah. but ultimately only one thing will give us what we really need. Not what we are made to believe that we need. But that we really need. And there is an unconditional relationship with God based on an unconditional love for God. Everything else is temporary.
and a favorite God and man. What's the implication? As awesome as he was when he was 12, he was not there yet. He still had to grow in wisdom. He still had to grow, perhaps even in identity, in the conviction of what his destiny would be. Now go to 1 Peter chapter 1. What was Jesus, how much space, how much room did he have for margin of error? Well, that sounds pretty good, but we're going to have everything confirmed with Scripture. Amen? Amen. So 1 Peter chapter 1. We see how much pressure Jesus felt to, as we call it, perform. Right? First Peter chapter 1, verse 18. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed. From your empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. Oh my goodness. This scripture is still applicable today. Yeah. And the way of life of your forefathers. Yeah. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. The most challenging command that Jesus gave us must be, be perfect, therefore as your heavenly Father is perfect. No pressure, right? <laughs> no sweat. We will make sure we do our daily, you know, Hail Mary prayer, whatever the case may be, and we should be okay to go. Absolutely not. We are expected, now will we ever be a force for not? But can we fight and strive to be there? Yes, we can. So I want to leave you one final challenge. Today, whether you are a disciple, who's doing well, who's not doing so well, or if you're not a disciple, I give you this challenge today. From today, pull out all the stops. Pull out all the stops. Whatever is preventing you from growing, pull it out. Be open about it, pull out all the stops so that you can love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events or devotionals you can find all that on our website also once again we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one